Welcome to our podcast. I'm Linda Dawson. And I'm Glenn Dawson. You're listening to Preparing a Heart for Worship podcast. On our podcast, we look at the old-time hymns of our faith and their authors and examine the events that lead to the writing of this wonderful, inspiring music. Today, we're looking at a song by Isaac Watts in 1707 that helps us analyze our hearts as we look at that cross where the miracle of atonement through the sacrifice of our loving loving Savior takes place. Glenn, you have such a beautiful arrangement of this song today that moves through several keys, both major and minor, that sets the mood for this time of the year. Linda, let's hear the thought-filled words of this song. When I surveyed the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, My richest gain I count but loss, and poor contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the cross of Christ my God. All the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to his blood. See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet? Or thorns compose so rich a crown? Were the whole realm of nature mine, That were a present far too small, Love so amazing, so divine, Demands my soul, my life, my all. This popular hymn was written by Isaac Watts, One of the best-loved hymn composers. The son of a Congregationalist minister, Watts was born in 1674 in Southampton, England. As a young man, Watts complained to his father that the psalms sung in church were not inspirational enough. His father challenged him to write his own songs for the church service. He began writing hymns at a very young age. Accordingly, Watts set himself to writing a hymn and produced the lines beginning, Behold the glories of the Lamb. That was the start of his career as a hymn writer. It was a daring move when in 1707, Isaac Watts published his first book of hymns. At that time, the practice of almost every congregation in the Church of England was to sing only Old Testament psalms in the public worship. However, Watts had grown to dislike this because it restricted the Christian from being able to really celebrate in song all those aspects of the gospel that are fulfilled and emulated in the New Testament. Watts penned this song in preparation for the communion service. The song was controversial when Watts first performed it because it involved a personal religious experience, which was known as a hymn of human composure. The song is also the first hymn to use a personal pronoun. The hymn is also one of the first to paraphrase biblical text. The first two lines paraphrase part of Galatians 6.14. Concerning the hymn's creation, there is no special story that singles it from many others he wrote. He is credited with some like 750 hymns. But what makes this hymn unique is the particular beauty of the language and imagery and the power which it highlights the most significant event in human personal history. The cross 
of Jesus Christ our God. Watts' gift for writing hymns combined with his courage to publish them would eventually turn the tides against singing only psalms and set a new standard for Christian worship in the English language. This hymn is particularly powerful because it includes many poetic devices. For example, oxymorons are found twice in the first stanza, My riches gain I count but lost, and poor contempt on all my pride. The third stanza contains a paradox and a crown of thorns, and there are two rhetorical questions in the second half of this stanza. Did e'er such love and sorrow mate? Are thorns composed so rich a crown? The piece ends with a climax. Demands my soul, my life, my all. When I survey the, is the hymn which is saturated with the theology and it calls for emotional response from the singer. The hymn was transformed into a statement of faith that crosses denominational lines and generations. When I survey the wondrous cross is a great calm to concentrate on as we near Easter and remember the true meaning of the season. Jesus' death on the cross is the greatest gift God could give us and is a gift we could continue to accept today as we accept his salvation. Watts' hymn included complex theology in a format that is ideal for congregational singing. Hymns should echo the theme of a sermon. He, inst- he insisted that the song and the church should be fully evangelical and not just supplements to the psalms. And hymns should be freely composed and not just hold to the letter of the scripture. And that hymns should get a straightforward expression of the thoughts and feelings of the singer and not merely recall events of the distant past. He also wrote text to fit the most common psalm meters, allowing them to be sung by any congregation to a variety of tunes in such a way that each line contained a complete thought. This was important since the hymns, like the metrical psalms before them, were lined out by a song leader. The leader would sing a phrase and the congregation would echo back what had been sung. If a thought was spread out over two phrases, it would be broken up by this teaching technique. Watts smoothed out the process by including a complete thought in a single phrase phrase, as much as possible. There is a fourth, fourth stanza that is often omitted. The fourth stanza is, His dying crimson, like a robe, spreads o'er his body on the tree. Then I am dead to all the globe, and the globe is dead to me. Isaac Watts also wrote other hits we still sing, such as Joy to the World, O God, Our Help in Ages Past and at the Cross. This classic hymn of Isaac Watts has often been called the greatest hymn in the English language. Another contemporary of Isaac Watts said of it, there may be a few others equally great, but there's none greater. Our world loves a champion, and popular culture bursts with people trying to fill that role. 
the movie stars who make the public display of giving to charity, politicians who brag about their work. It's a world of pride. And no matter what way we turn, we seem to find someone with a puffed-out chest. But the superstars aren't the only ones who like to boast. Sometimes we want to capture that kind of attention, too. We come up with a good idea, we receive awards, or we uh, help with a good cause. And there's part of us that wants everyone to know about it. So we brag a little, hoping to be admired. In stark contrast to this human pride, Isaac Watts calls us to look at the cross and see the real champion, Jesus Christ. With a heart focused on God's sacrifice, Watts wrote, My richest gain I count but lost, and poor contempt on all my pride. And he prayed, Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the death of Christ my God. And as you sing this hymn, focus your pride on Jesus. He's the true champion to brag about. Watts' lifelong ambition, according to his own words, was to be a servant to churches and a helper of Christians. Dr. Watts won and held the hearts of a large share of the English-speaking world over a long period of years, despite the fact that as a child he was never strong, and despite the fact also that he was forced to resign a pastorate because of poor health. For the latter 30 years of his life, he was more or less an invalid, but devoted himself in comfortable and happy surroundings to the writing of many of the beautiful hymns still popular today. Jesus gave so much, how much he cared. How much was its measure? It was enough to pay our sin debt. It was more than the total of our total of punishment in hellfire that we justly deserved. He loved us so much. He took all our sins on himself. He suffered our guilt. He suffered our pain. He took away everlasting loss of hope. He took away our shame. He suffered our eternal death. He made us clean by his blood. He made himself a bridge across an impossible chasm between us and God the Father. My friend, no other one cared so much as Jesus. God made us in his own image. We were his creation. He placed mankind in this beautiful, wonderful creation creation, and it was perfect till sin entered in. We read about it in Genesis' account of creation, where God and man walked together in fellowship till Satan's temptation came and corrupted God's creation. Man gave in to the lure of temptation, and sin entered the world. And it has been here ever since. Sin has separated us from God because God is holy. He cannot take part with sinful man. Man now has a sinful nature. God had a holy nature. We were eternally separated. Still, God loved us. He had an everlasting love for us. The Bible says, 
He loved us while we were yet sinners. Think about the natural condition of God. Then examine the natural condition of yourself. Each of us can list things that we have done that has broken God's law. When we compare that to the character of God, we can e easily see that it doesn't stand up to God's standards. The Bible says there is none righteous, no one. It says all our righteousness is as filthy rags. We find ourselves in an impossible situation. There is nothing we can do to save ourselves. We're lost. We're without hope, without any solution we can come up with ourselves. But God has provided us a second chance. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No man cometh to the Father except through me. The Bible says, how can we ignore so great a salvation? If we ignore what Christ has done for us on the cross, if we think we're good enough, if we think that, well, we're church members, or we've been baptized and always went to church all our lives, if we trust in anything we have done or will do, we miss the mark. If we come to judgment before God with this argument at our death, he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. He already provided us a way in anything short of believing in what he has done for us and trusting in him for our salvation is unacceptable to God. Anything else marks, mocks God. If you never trusted Jesus, do it right now. Don't wait till it's too late. Let God do his work in your life. I promise you he will if you'll let him. Now let's listen to Glenn as he plays When I Surveyed the Wanderer's Cross on the Clarinet.
It's been so nice visiting with you all here today on Preparing Our Hearts for Worship podcast. Our program is part of the Glenn Dawson Evangelistic Association. It's a non-profit 501c3 organization dedicated to sharing the gospel with the world, and we're located in Lexington, Kentucky. As we look at the old-time hymns, the authors, and events related to the writing of their songs, we hope you've been informed and you enjoyed yourself. We always enjoy hearing from you. You can write us on Facebook or whatever platform you hear us on. You can even write us on our webpage over at www.glendawsonpa.com. That's www.glendawsonpa.com. Our music has been distributed to the web. You can hear it by searching the web for the music of Glenn Dawson. On some of the services, you can punch the like button when you see it on the servers. We appreciate it when you do that because it helps our ministry and keeps us going. We look forward to seeing you again next week on Preparing Our Hearts for Worship. God God be be with with you and bye bye for now. now.